Welcome or welcome back to the Calamity Vault, where we play every indie RPG one week at a time. This is our second episode of Polaris, Chivalric Tragedy at the Utmost North. You'll note it's a little bit longer because it contains our full gameplay. Polaris is a game by P.H. Lee, writing as Ben Lehman, and can be found on their itch through Indie Press Revolution, through Drive-Thru RPG, or in many other places where fine games are sold. An audio disclaimer, we played Polaris in person and with a single recording device. As such, the following audio may contain echoing, dice sounds, rustling paper, dramatic but entirely inaudible whispers, old person voices which defy comprehensibility, and other crimes against audio. Listener discretion is advised. Finally, please keep in mind that Polaris is a tragedy, and listen accordingly. With all that out of the way, please enjoy. Long ago, people were dying at the end of the world. But hope was not yet lost, for Cygnus still heard this call, the song of the stars. And so it was. That Cygnus stood upon the high place of the remnant city and beheld the warm breeze coming from the north that loosened the icicles that ringed his perch. What does Cygnus look like? I think Cygnus is tall and broad and very much the picture of a knight um, in their shining armor uh, of, of etched ice. They have their sheath blade um, next to them and I think that they are standing looking sternly out they have the look of someone who is who would look almost older than they are because they're they're powerful and and broad if not for the innocence and naivete in their eyes and their lineless face and i think as they stand there their brow furrows they look out over the ice and i think they hear the tinkle of bells behind them as their bound companion Capella um, dances up behind them. Won't be able to lay that down again for a while, huh? I think Cygnus kind of like startles as Capella taps uh, one of their ringed fingers uh, against against their sword. Then turning around and, and seeing her, he just kind of relaxes. Actually, just as a quick world note, um, do we think that they have years now? Do they have time now? Because they have seasons. Okay. They have seasons now, and it's also, there is worry that one of these summers, the sun will eclipse the highest star and everything's going to end. Okay. So then I think that they'll say, last year we had another month before the, this warm wind came in. I fear that the sun crawls ever upwards. I think as the breeze sort of comes by, uh, she just sort of twists with it and kind of follows around the outer part of the tower um, and kind of looks out. Well, maybe. 
the Chancellor says it's uh, all fake. It's it's going to come back around and we're going to be fine. A sweet smell arises from the south as she speaks. And furthermore, you hear laughter on the breeze, I think, just faintly. And I think uh, Cygnus just kind of hears that and, and smells the fetid and, and floral sweetness on the wind. And just kind of sighs and says, I know what the Chancellor is saying, and who am I to doubt them? They're they're older and wiser and have seen more than any of us, but it feels different this year. It it feels like spring. I think Capella sort of takes a deep breath and kind of breathes in the sweet smell from the south. <sighs> I suppose it's a chance to do our duty. Indeed. <laughs> Why have nights if not to? Hold back the armies of whatever comes out of your mistake. Why indeed? What purpose would you have if not for the spring that is to come? This long winter, the games of politics and chance that wearied you in a different way. And uh, perhaps rest shall come. Rest in warmth. And I think sickness almost relaxes at the thought of something simpler, a noble duty they can do until they hear Capella speak of the two of them going into combat with the demons. Something that she insists upon. Something that Cygnus has never gotten used to. And I'm good with that kind of expository scene if we want to call it there. And so it was. So it was. As a quick note, just because it's something we love and have stolen from some of my own personal writing, um, is that in this particular, in the remnants, um, there are stories told of people far, far to the south where the sun rises and things are warm and green abounds and dark-skinned princes and princesses meet at lavish dances under the full light of the sun. And those are often thought of as, as children's tales. Although some intrepid explorers who were never seen again set out to look for that. So I just want to introduce that into play because I think the idea of, you know, maybe this isn't all so bad is really fun for people to play into. Notably all of the cities to the south listed in the book of like the the names that are like whispered if they might be real are the names of real world cities. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so Avery and Z. Uh, yeah, I think we should introduce Octans. But hope was not yet lost, for Octans still heard the song of the stars. And so it was completing the solitary voyage to survey from the air, the mistake, and the mounting, congealing smoke rising from it as it begins to push outward towards the remnants. Octan sets foot once again onto the icy towers, strides with purpose through a hall filled with the arts of the ice and with lights, some of his own work residing there. Passes through a large door into a bustling chamber. 
it's filled with those who are preparing eagerly for spring filled with those who are preparing to refract and reflect the sunlight as it comes and in contrast to octans rejoice with the coming of the sun i think if it's okay with you um alpha is there i think you see her working on an installation uh that has started to refract just a little bit of starlight before the sun has come up um, but they don't notice you at first mm-hmm. i think you also see in the chamber um chancellor vega as well directing and ordering the affair when we first see them uh making making their landing uh it's difficult to make out really much of their features because it's all sort of dwarfed by these massive icy wings it is within a glider's framework but this has been i think it's their own work this has been lovingly carved out there are the detailed lines of each feather that sparkle faintly under the starlight for perhaps only the faintest traces of of dawn are currently visible as it is not yet spring the light that there is moves and shifts across these as they seem almost to truly beat they are wrapped in some ways sort of securely against the cold and so it is only sort of as we see them land and hang these up that we begin to sort of make out more of, of his features. Octans is not particularly tall nor particularly blonde. He is very pale, very translucent in the manner of the people. And as with all of the people, people have hair of gold or silver or any of the colors of night. And so I think his is that very deepest blue-black of the very top of the sky, the coldest day of winter. You see them sort of shed their outer garments as they, they make their way uh, inward and, and through the hall. They are largely, their outer garments are all largely practical. Uh, their inner garments, I think, are somewhat more fashionable. There is faint color that moves through them in light there is in the hall. I think because they have come back from scouting the fort, they move toward Councillor Vega. They they say it is shrouded. Vega looks up with a smile on their face. And temperatures at the high altitudes I trust they are still chill. They are, Councillor. I do not care for the steam it belches forth. From above, my eyes may miss that which one below might see clearly. Octans, there is no need to approach so closely to endanger yourself. That place is ever belching, bellowing black things, but the winter is here yet. If dawn were to come, not the warmth of light strike the highest heavens first. We have 
time yet. This breeze is only that. A storm on the south. I think you just hear the kind of high laughter of children running through the halls. Yet we are close, Counselor. We are at the cusp of it. We know not the true paths of the sun. May not the storm which comes up from the south and brings this warmth with it, may it not also bring that light. You trouble yourself with maze and light maze, my young friend. There are those who say that winter is ending and say it with anticipation. I know that you do not love the coming of the dawn. But I hope that the love of battle has not seeped into you too much as well. Enjoy this chill and quiet while it is here. You need not be so fixated on what lies ahead. I think Hawkins will turn slightly toward the rest of the hall, not necessarily speaking to them, but like encompassing them in what's being oh. said, uh, and say to Zaydel, do not they prepare for it? See, Alva, how she angles her works to catch the first rays. She knows will come. Ought not we prepare? When you turn back to gauge Chancellor Vega's reaction, you look and the, the bits of captured starlight that are illuminating the room a little glint off of their eyes just a bit. And you see for only one moment how you look in the eyes of Chancellor Vega. Small and misguided. Mm. I cannot speak for Alva. Perhaps you might counsel her more closely. If there is evidence, Octans, I will hear it. But if all there is is mist, our stars will last and so it was. And so it was. And so it was that Cygnus, in the warm and bracing winter wind, slew a minor demon of sunlight and turned to their bound companion, Capella. I think you turn just as Capella sheathes her starlight sword and sort of surveys the area. All silver from here. Seems like that was was expecting more to be around here. It's kind of nice. Take a breather. Kind of like this new wind. The sweetness fills your nostrils in that moment, and Cygnus finds themselves taking in a deep breath. Smells of earth and home, though home that is not. Do you ever wonder what the world is like south of the ice? Hmm. Well, now that you mention it, it's crossed my mind before, but it's 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 just stories. Uh, Cygnus, I don't 
I don't know. It's fun to think about, but what could there be but more? I, I know. It, the wind has been putting on thoughts in my head. Of like, it reminds me of a place that, well, it's not a place like home. Hmm. Out there, it's all fields of ice, and further south, it's just the sun. But then Capella stops and thinks, what would it be with that eternal sun? What would that land, those people, those places be? A world without ice. And in that moment, she feels a yearning to know. A yearning to get away from this place and all the things which draw Cygnus away from her. Into a place where it would only be him and her. I am introducing a comment. Um, only if Juliana disagrees. With only if Juliana disagrees. With <laughs> no need for that. And that was how it happened. I think that Cygnus sees this play across Capella's face, and kind of smiles. Um, I think there's a shooting star that dances up ahead, and there's the constant at this time of year slight glow of a pre-dawn dawn above on the horizon just faintly um i think it was the aurora if you didn't know better and i think that they sit and they just kind of gesture um for capella to sit next to them and as they hand over the the lunch that they have packed they go so what's your favorite part of the stories we heard when we were kids they told me about cities of bluestone Gilt at the edges, reflecting that bright, bright sun. Filled with people, wearing all manner of colors. And enormous, absurd, ridiculous creatures, much larger than ourselves. Larger even than the sort of gestures towards the mistake. Than these monsters, but but they were friendly. They worked together somehow. Colors, 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 a companionship, an end to intrigue and struggle and strife. Cygnus finds himself longing. I have no, this is this is in it's diegetic. Uh-huh. This is diegetic. I don't uh-huh. have to do it if you don't want. Got it. it. No, you're no, you're good. You're good. This is the the voice of the uh, the, uh-huh. the voice of the mist brings gender. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I think he just kind of takes a bite of the the food that he has care that that no that they have carefully packed. Shakes their head, clear the daydream away, and turns to Capella and goes, "You know, I think my favorite part of all those stories was." was the idea that that color can can grow from the earth um, the 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 reds and the greens and the blues and the iridescent yellows that the artists can can make in their in their refractions but the idea that that little plants that are delicate enough to be plucked and and, and used in decoration that that flowers can be can grow out of the ground in all colors it 
it's absurd, but I think that that was always my favorite of the stories of bright princesses and their garlands of flowers on their wedding day. Yeah, I even heard once that their folk, their knights like, like us, go out carrying long streaming banners that are bright in the colors of their people. <laughs> you imagine? And in that moment, a seed of longing was planted in Cygnus's heart that grew and festered of a dream that duty and obligation to the people have long prohibited. But only if this seed is dashed for the time being by thoughts of the duty that they of course must return to. It's a beautiful flight of fancy and the longing for the flight of fancy is of course there, but it's not yet more than a flight of fancy, though the seed of longing has been planted in their heart. But only if they return to that fancy each night in their dreams. And that was how it happened. That was how it happened. And so it was. And so it was. And so it was that Octans began to move their statues from the fall in preparation for the coming dawn. For the sun and its terrible rent, of course, will shift and change these works and melt them in time. And as they move these pieces, he draws near where Seraphie labors in the depths where no sun shall reach. Asteropy raises their head and turns it slowly, slowly towards you. And they go, Ah, Octans, my child, how are you this lovely winter morning? Is it morning, Asteropy? I don't know. I do not try to see the light which dazzles them so far above. It is mist on snow above. Impossible to tell where one ends and the other begins, and yet I feel it growing. Still a shame. I take it that fool Vega hasn't done anything about your reports. I have seen no sign of danger. No creature itself coming forth and so it is only a wind but do you feel it in your bones child i am yet young to this hysterical i know not if it is my bones or perhaps sarithega insinuates paranoia bah you're too good for paranoia and they kind of pick up their their pick and continue working on a smaller model of the form of a perfect ice crystal magnified 10, 20, a thousand times over. So that all you see is the perfect hexagonal shape. I think that Asterope's art is perfect, but it's perfect in a representational way. Mm. Um, I think that the new art is often 
changing or warping what is for the viewer's pleasure. Mm. This is simply revealing what is. Yeah. If they could see it as I see it, hysterically, they would understand. You cannot know where the mistake ends and the land begins. You must become snow. Those wings are as much a curse as they are a blessing, my child. It is a heavy load to carry, knowing the truth of what is and the proper path, even in others. Foolish and strife. How is your own art coming along? Uh, I know that I've heard moving upstairs. I assume that uh, someone is doing something. Your quarters are upstairs, but you haven't been there for a while. I know not if my workshop has been disturbed. I have been out, but I am distressingly non-temporal as an, <laughs> an, an artist, I am, I am told. Uh, <laughs> I they wish laugh. my work's yet to be the same next season. And so those that I would not have subject to the dawn, I must move to colder regions. I guess therapy will, um, will say, ah, bah, the damned fools. I don't, I don't know why they don't understand that leaving statues out to be hit by the sun, yes, it produces some colors or something that they care about, but it melts the surface and it doesn't refreeze the same. I keep complaining, but no one listens to me anymore. I think you, perhaps not all the therapy, but certainly octanes. You've been moving your statues down here, and you can hear sort of a, what at first is a light scraping, and you realize that there is a sound from your workshop as uh, the door opens out of your direct line of sight. But you hear it, you feel it. Mm. But only if I can direct a therapy away from it. But only if whatever's in the workshop gets out. And furthermore, I follow it. I think I'm tapping sculpture for this. Optins sort of redirects a therapy's uh, attention a bit and makes an excuse. I shan't distract you from your work any longer. I see that you are into the details now and it requires a steady hand. <laughs> I tend to die. And I think sculpting is almost an unconscious act. The ice around them moves to let them through and speaks to them of the way to go. I think I'm going to and furthermore with fate for the last days of winter and furthermore when you find Bulbacula standing in a room of your other sculptures imperfections compared to her you also see that points on the sculptures have been chipped away chipped away or melted? let's go with melted actually I'll take that suggestion Yeah, mm. I think that's right Bubble shows less signs of deterioration than the others. Mm. And that was how it happened. 
Clapton's surveys the room, surveys Bulgabula or her statue. Certainly she had not been there. Certainly she had not. And even as you survey the room and you look over her, and you turn and you look across the other figures, they're now wet surfaces, just barely beginning to drip, a little from the elbow here or there. And when you look back, Volvacula has turned, is facing you, arms outstretched. And Octans, you walk towards her. But only if their intent is not to go to her, but to remove her, put her back in the workshop. I'm thinking that a potential option that Z, of course, is the mistake can ignore, um, is for them to answer with a, but only if Octan takes those first few eager steps without thinking that it's simply to put the statue back in the workshop. We shall see what comes of it. (laughs) (laughs) But only if they do succeed. In getting... In returning her. In returning her to the workshop. This is a temptation, certainly, but it is one that they are counting. Mm Mm-hmm. But only if, when you get her there, you gaze just a little too long into her eyes mm. that seem fixed on you. And that was how it happened. <laughs> and so it was. And so it was. <laughs> I like that we've established nothing about the statue. Like uh-huh. <laughs> nothing. We've just left it. Don't even worry about. <laughs> Don't it. Don't worry about it. I probably should have rolled experience at least once during that last Sorry, scene, I forgot to. Sure yeah, that end of scene. I I think the I think the 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 flower talk may have been experience possibly, but I don't know. Mm. Oh, I thought you wrote down it was experience already. You I didn't realize uh-huh. you had to roll for it each time. Yeah, so you roll. You, yeah, you, your experience roll is determining whether you are doing an advance and losing zeal and gaining losing zeal, or if you're doing yeah. a refresh and getting Got back it. any traits you used. Yes. Okay. So yeah, because you roll you roll for experience any time that you show sympathy towards. I think that you should life, roll for right? experience based on that. It is sympathy for demons, hatred of a person or of a people, apathy, callousness, cynicism, doubt, or despair. I don't know. What do you two think? I'm I'm on the fence about that specifically. I think there's something that's maybe in between, like doubt and cynicism. Thinking about the South and well, what if I left? What if I betrayed in this way? Uh, my I, yeah. Like, wouldn't that be so much better? Like, that's kind of doubting your knight's sort of convictions, I think. Um, Doubting the order. I would argue that there was probably at least an expression of doubt. Mm -hmm. Okay. And talking with hysterically. Yes. Yeah. That sounds right to me. And Z gets the call on what's going on with the statue. (laughs) Yeah. There's more to be seen with what's going on there, but I think I want to call that uh, sympathy for a demon. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Sympathy for redacted. <laughs> for redacted. <laughs> yeah, so I, I would say that is maybe two, because there's doubt and also sympathy for a demon in two separate instances. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable amount. So you guys first. Okay. So, um, I am rolling, and I rolled two. Which means um, you are at or lower. So lower your zeal by one. Okay. And then increase either your ice or your light. 
So I rolled a two and I had four zeal. So I'm lowering my zeal by one and I'm adding a single point to either ice or light. Yeah, ice. ice is your relationship to the world and society. This gives you strength if you're fighting for the preservation of society. We're in relationship to ideas, people, and events you care about. Light is about your internal strength and prowess. You're fighting primarily alone. It helps you if you're fighting primarily alone with your own abilities and equipment. I added one to ice because okay. uh, I think that this point of experience uh, reaffirmed Cygnus's connection with Capella. I think that's reasonable. Mm -hmm. uh, so my first one definitely drops me. Uh, so that is zeal to three. Yeah. This is my doubt situation. So I think I'm putting that point into light. And then my, my second roll is a five. That is above my zeal of three. So that is a refresh. Uh, Z, you get back that event last day's winter. I get back my skill sculptor. Okay. Does refresh, refresh, refresh everything? Yes. Okay, great. And so it was that a great gnawing crack issued from the south beyond the city. And the wrenching of the ice was heard throughout. But amidst those sounds, the squealing of a great boar issued forth, and the terror and the screams came with it. And though Cygnus and their bound companion ran and struggled, they did not reach the creature before it had departed, leaving wreckage and death in its wake. Can I, but only if a so it was? Yeah, it's a okay. statement yeah. initiating yeah, a conflict. It's a statement. Yeah. Um, okay. I, so... I, I don't get to just say, and so it was that you fucking died. <laughs> you can't do anything about this. Yeah. And only if you have weariness. Louis Nathan can absolutely kill Capella. You can die if you want to right now. Yes, who's with you? That's my girl. Yeah, that's my girl. Oh no, um, she's not dead yet. She, no, uh, and so, but only if the boar was there for a flash, doing much damage to buildings, but only shaking the onlookers who saw the great and terrible sight. And furthermore, it did grievous damage to those buildings such that a flame was set in the heart of the wall and the melting of winter, which had been coming, set to work upon the city itself. A wound has been dealt to the city. A wound which festers and grows. That's so, my end furthermore. So, so can... yeah, I think... My my moon contribution, yeah. yes. Uh, I think would be really a question okay. of how did this demon get so far and so close to the city. Unfortunately, yeah. I this is not fitting well within the conflict rules because uh -huh. I am I am I am asking a question yeah. about the world. Uh, uh, so I think for, you could Julia's thinking purposes. Yeah. So I think in that case you can frame it as and Cygnus thought. How did this creature get so quickly into the heart of the city itself? Okay, so we've ended the conflict. Yeah. So you said... And that was how it happened. And that was how it happened. And then now Cygnus yeah. is... Because is, 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 is the scene has yeah. So Cygnus. As Cygnus jogs up to the 
beating light at the heart of the wall. Council members and aides are putting up barricades around the light to shield passersby from the harmful rays as what used to be a solid wall drips, drips, drips down onto the icy floor below, creating these small icicles that freeze upwards. And we shall see what comes of Cygnus's questions about how this demon got so quickly into the heart of the city itself, unless, of course, it was here already. Capella sees the long trackway of the devastation left in its wake, the crumpled and broken ice that has fallen in on itself to be like a trail or a burrow or a hollow leading off far, far to the south. Cygnus thinks just for a second. His his brain just reminds him of the footpaths that the heroes in the childhood stories deep in the south trod with high walls on either side. Then looks at the destruction this has wrought and the crying children being comforted by their parents who are no less scared themselves. I think Cygnus goes up to one of the aides who's constructing this barricade out of spare icicles and snow melt and snowpack. Sorry, snowpack. And goes, what did this? I, I heard a crash and came running. I, I mean, I didn't see, I don't know if anyone saw it. How did you not see it? And uh, Cygnus just kind of gestures to the large gash in the ground. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't here. I, I heard that someone put up a, a, a tremendous new work that we ought to be safeguarded from it that we might not approach too close. It's very experimental, you understand. You shall I, see what comes of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we shall see what comes of it. I think Cygnus just kind of turns away from the aid. And Cygnus sees on their faces, uh-huh. even those clutching the bloodied remains of a friend or loved one, an expression of marvel and wonder at the work that has been wrought, at this great thing, terrible, but something which the only thing they can see is the greatness with which they love. It is a new thing, so it is to be loved. You ask far too much as they hold their bloodied friends. There can be awe, yes, but not love of this destruction. The people do not yet love destruction, only demons. If there is to be no love, then there shall be nothing at all. They did not see, they do not know, none of them. It has passed like a spring rain from their mind, and they forget those they leave behind on the earth. They do not see the beating wound at the center of their wall. And just so that Juliana is clear, is this no one saw it? They've forgotten. People, they've forgotten what happened. They've forgotten what Even happened. Even though it happened they, right in front of them. Yes. They've forgotten what happened, but they can see the big hole, right? But it's not important to them. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but only if they respond to the gaping hole in the wall with wonderment? Confusion? They're not afraid, because if there was something 
that happened that would cause them to be afraid, they would have remembered it. But this is a new development, certainly. And furthermore, all their efforts to seal or close it are in vain. And that's how it happened. What are you tapping for that? I'm going to tap the lore of demons, Mm. because the destruction of a demon is a wound that can never be mended. Mm. Not while the demon lives. Not while the demon lives. Mm. I'll add that into my character section. And so it was. So it was. And, oh, was that you ending the scene? Yeah, unless you have something. You can reject it. I think that someone plucks an ice pulp up off the wall. Nothing major, but they happened this time of year. Usually not to the spring, but just minor melt. Nothing that can't be fixed. They pluck some spare icicles up and start creating a barricade around it. And the icicles start to melt. And at that... Cygnus pales, forgetting all thoughts of flowers in the revelry of the South, and sets to work as they know what they must do. Cygnus forgets these thoughts, but only if they are consumed with a new thought that the beast must die and they must be the one to slay it. Oh, absolutely. And that was how it happened. And that was how it happened. <laughs> And so it was. And so it was. <laughs> and so it was that the pleas of the knights went unanswered, even as a catastrophe occurred and passed into, well, forgotten. It was forgotten completely. And the politicians, the remnants, spent their time preparing for festivities and padding a ever-melting wall. And in the midst of this, Octans, sealing the workshop, strode out and left the gates of the remnant and set off into the wilds, into the waste, to bring back something, something that would make them seen. As he passes the gate, preparing for a journey alone, he sees Alva, working with light, and I think it strikes Octans as he passes through um, looks out across the waste and looks back at the gate um, and sort of pauses to watch Alva work that the colors are the colors of the slowly rising dawn the reds and oranges that are beginning to creep over the sky and pushing back the dark deep blue of night those oranges and reds are mirrored in Alva's work here and the gate looks like it's looks itself like a new dawn. Octans, isn't it lovely? I've finally figured it out, she says, as they kind of turn around to face you. And you can see something in their eyes that is certainly not Alva. And she says, I finally figured it out. The colors, the new colors. I hadn't been able to make them brighter for now. But I figured it out. Isn't it lovely? Well, we shall see what comes of it. <laughs> what is she working in? She's working in light and in ice. Mm-hmm. But the way that she's working in light is like nothing you've ever seen before. Rather than carving with picks, she has a 
chunk of ice that she's using to reflect and refract starlight to melt aspects of her work then refreeze to a glossy sheen and the very inside of her work that looks shockingly like something that we as Sutherlings would recognize as a one of those very old-fashioned cut glass lighthouse lights mm. oh um, uh, the, the present lines yeah yeah the, yeah yeah the present lines um you see this patch of light in these bright dawn rainbow colors these brilliant pinks and deep purples and soft soft blues too gaudy for the night to ever produce and she looks on as the lights reflect in her eyes with awe and delight as you see that light reflected in those eyes just a moment it takes hold in you too and you feel a thrill octones you feel the thrill that you see in alva something you aren't used to something that feels outside you and furthermore they reach to it and when they lay up their hand upon the ice they know its shape they know its weakness it is a single strike but the crack spreads and grows and for a moment the quality of the light changes as this fractals out in a single second before it all collapses oh i'm exhausted for this mm-hmm. yeah. And furthermore, <gasps> Alva throws herself at you in an attempt to stop you as you bring your sword towards the sculpture. Mm-hmm. And you cut. And mm. her blood is sprayed on the ice. And she collapses, screaming not for her pain, but for the destruction of her craft at your hands. And she screams your name, hands with a rage you haven't heard. And I'm going to uh, exhaust blessing for the starlight sword. Uh, And furthermore, (laughs) as her hand, the hand which was caught, falls to the ice, that which inhabited her is drawn out with it. I'm I'm hitting my my demon lord. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, as you look from your companion away at the ice of the gate at the work you have destroyed you see reflected in the fragments yourself spattered in your friend's blood and you feel joy and satisfaction even as the severed hand rests at your feet and i'm going to check the night of the order of stars you ask far too much To rejoice in the harm of one of the people is far beyond what a knight ought to do. And Octans is yet to that. And I'm also going to mark the knight. (laughs) Okay, so I must provide an alternative. Yep. You look at the work you have wrought. The shattered ice and scattered lights. The spray of blood and the severed hand. And your friend screaming. And you don't see... A reflection at all. Not in Alva's eyes, not in the shards of ice. But Alva sees it in your eyes. Alva sees the way that you look at them. The way you see them 
not as a true rival, not as a serious artist, but as someone to be put down, stalked with brute force when they challenge you. Mm. How dare they, that upstart. And that is what Alba sees in your eyes. As they move to kill this demon that is emerging, I'm going to tap it and it shall not come to pass. Okay. Uh, so what happens now is that I oppose the last statement. I'm not willing to compromise. And I'm willing to take a risk. And in this case, not willing to compromise means that I would like to try to stop it. And I think I'm probably going to be rolling experience anyways. I'm probably going to fail this roll. And, but, like, it's the it's the principle of it. Yeah. You yes. want to try to stop... Sorry, stop what, exactly? In this case, it is stopping Alva from perceiving that that I see her as an upstart to be cut down with force. Got it, perfect, okay. I am I am pairing this with a little bit of demon killing for for the flavor. This yeah. sounds right. Uh, a sousan of demon killing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> a sprinkle. Yeah, a and I, you know, I, I suspect that, like, if this works, it is something where... Where it's not you that is being cut down with the thing that was within you. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't work, although this is up to Z, of course, uh, if it doesn't work, there's a great possibility that, like, yeah, you are the enemy of art, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it just becomes part of you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so, based on the last theme expended in the conflict or their own judgment, uh, ordinarily, last theme expended in the conflict here was a knight, so it would be office and associated with ice, uh, which has to do with fighting for preservation of society or in relationship to ideas, people, and events that they care about, Correct. as opposed to fighting primarily alone or with one's own abilities and equipment. Yeah, this is no, definitely, definitely relational. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Fair enough. Uh, which means I think you have to fail, right? Not strictly. I just have limited chances. Okay. Uh, because I I did the it shall not come to pass, uh-huh. uh, then I am disadvantaged. Okay. Which means in this case. Which means in this case that I would subtract weariness, if any, from the challenge value. The challenge value is currently one. Yes. But I have no weariness, so okay. nothing gets subtracted. Yep. Uh, I would need to roll a one to do this. Oh, okay. So if you match it, it's not... You yes. don't have to roll lower, it's match or lower. Yes. Okay. And it didn't work. <laughs> okay. Yes. Which means that I am definitely going to roll for experience... From that, plus any other experience that ZC's fit to have had me roll for in this yeah, scene. Uh, uh, yes. So, Z, I think I still do bring this sword around and down. I think it's right next to her head. But she does see. I think she sees this take hold in you as you look down with what is no longer... A reflected illusion, no longer a trick. But you feel contempt. Mm. And you consider for just a moment what Alba deserves for having invited the dawn. I don't know if I can, but only if this, but honestly, but only if it's fleeting. She is but only, still my charge. But only if in redirecting, readjusting that attitude, you apply it to everyone else instead, whoever thought they would be friendly to the dawn, to the sun. Mm, and corrupted your charge. And corrupted your charge. I think it was not meant to be. I think it is more reasonable for Octans to hang on to that moment, of, for, to hang on to that contempt 
for her in particular than it is for them to completely abandon their knightly values (laughs) (laughs) and turn on contempt for the people, something that's heavily weariness associated. Yeah, well, we're about to see how high we can get that, (laughs) how Uh close to weariness we can go. Like, certainly I suspect that I'm going to be experiencing for the contempt, but... Mm -hmm. Yes, I... I could actually see this might be a good reason to make you do roles continuously as a I, I really think because, because I love to have like access to my shit back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, you can choose to do it in the middle of the scene. So why don't you just yes. roll now? My for 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 my failed conflict, uh, I am at or below my zeal, which was three, which means my zeal is going down to two. Theoretically, I want to put this point into ice, but I don't know if it actually makes sense to. Talk society. <laughs> yes. yeah. That's right, Octans, that's right. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's going into light. And we get all our shit back. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I get my shit back too. Uh-huh. Yay. Yay. Am I getting experience for the contempt too? No, no, that that sounds right. I think I wanna say for both the the contempt, which I'm loosely sort of throwing into the hatred of person or people yes. for but a moment, yeah. at the very least. And then I think uh, I want to give you another one for callousness and destroying this That's piece fair. of art. Yeah, that's fair. Oh. So roll callousness first and then contempt. Mm-hmm. Yes. So my zeal's down to one. We won't see these weariness mechanics, we said. Uh, yes. 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 Uh, uh, the the good news, I guess, is that for me, for it to tip over, I'm going to have to do enough rolls so that I get another one. Yeah, but he's tiring out. Another mistake. became a veteran just by breaking someone's bad art. <laughs> uh huh. And honestly, what was a pretty cool looking move. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think. Well, I want to probably bring knights. We we've been going for a second yeah. to the end of the scene. I think the final note is, I think Octans sort of hesitates for a second. Blinks and looks around and just turns and on his own just starts to walk out into the wastes to fulfill his mission um, and to bring back something, some way to make the people see. If I can alter this slightly, you yeah. may please. I, I would love suggestions. Here, mostly, actually. mostly I have my bitching wings and I would like to use them. <laughs> oh, yeah. but... Let's let's not walk then. Uh-huh. Why would we do that? Yeah, I like. I think this is less passing through the gate to go out to the waste, and more like mm. passing to the gate to get like up one of the guard towers for a launching point. So I think we see them turn and go up the stairs, and then distantly, the sparkling of, of mm, that's far the sky, like the distant stars themselves. That's what it was. Was the demon within the statue or within its creator? Yeah, I, the narration has suggested that it was the dual act of like. Harming both Alva and destroying this in the same in the same stroke mm-hmm. that yeah. So who's to say? And so it was that Cygnus, followed by their loyal companion Capella, followed the burned gouge in the city out out into the wastelands of the remnant, and out into the quarter of the city that is closest to the mistake. They feel the warm wind pick up again, and they tense, looking around and now realizing as they turn 
the only thing that looks familiar now is the deep gouge. They are lost within the warm breeze and the fog that surrounds the melting, the slowly melting ice. I'd like to clarify, are you in the city or not? There's, there's, a, there's a big chunk of stuff between, like, the remnants and the mistake. Okay. Sorry, my understanding is that the remnants are parts of the outermost extent of the city. And that the stuff that's in between is ruined city and kind of wasteland. That yes. has been destroyed yeah. Yeah. over X amount of time of war. Yes. Yeah, but this was mostly me going like, hey, there's there's enough space like between the remnants and the mistake for there to be crusades in the fall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's like so it's not like we're living next to the mistake. Yeah, yeah. I drew a very silly map here um, yes. that we don't need to post online because it's not really useful. <laughs> um, but basically I'm thinking that like remnant one, remnant two, remnant three, remnant four. And so parts of the, and this all used to be city. So some parts of this are like farm and some parts of this are ruined city. And I think that it the mistake, like there's the center of the mistake and then things get worse over here and worse over here and worse over here. Mm. And I think that there's an area right around here um, because the city's kind of, it kind of bows in that's, it would be wasteland, but in the kind of like zombie apocalypse urban wasteland. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Those parts of the city that was the Cygnus Seas are broken, ruined rubble, except for the structures that loom high above, like solitary fingers in this wasteland, defying the carnage around them. Cygnus sees their reflection split up, into a thousand thousand copies as he stands below the expanse of one of these. But only if those thousand thousand copies are tinted based on the light that is reflected. Slightly different colors, each one. And that was how it happened. Each of those tints, tinted figures in turn giving a strange sense of unease to you as they seem to move in something less than perfect coordination. Capella, do you, do you see anything we're looking for? I, I don't really know, but there's got to be some kind of demon. The trail just kind of ends around here. Capella has sort of stepped a little bit ahead and sort of sprung and gracefully sort of scaled this sort of small ruined wall of a building um, and sort of stands up there and looks and turns back down to you. Don't see anything so far. Um, Trail goes dead here. And jumps down. Wipes their hands off. Pulls something out and kind of is chipping away at something a little bit. And looks up at the towers. This place could have really been something. Yeah. And for a moment, a dangerous moment. Cygnus is lost in what could have been. Cygnus hears uh-huh. Capella's voice again as they stand beneath the reflection. It's, it's amazing to think that there are places just like this away 
from the remnants, places that never fell, that were never ruined, where people live and are happy and safe amidst wonders. And furthermore, Cygnus realizes that the voice is coming not from the Hapella, but from her reflection. Hmm. And begins to sing their song of truth. And to do that, I haven't refreshed yet, which is too bad, because I would have liked to use my... Did you roll for apathy yet? I didn't roll for apathy. You can just roll for roll for apathy. Roll for apathy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, I rolled a four, which is... So you do refresh. Above, which is a refresh, which means I'm going (laughs) to uh, get back and then immediately mark my song of truth. That's what I've been doing with Sculptor all game. (laughs) Got it. Hmm. Okay, so that was an and furthermore. Yes. And that was how it happened. As you see the capella in their reflection smile. A wide, bright smile with too many teeth. You would be so happy. And I think at that, I think the language of the people is a song, is is very tonal. And as Cygnus sings the song of truth that shatters falsehoods, the lie that they would be so happy causes such a dissonance that the ice, the beautiful clear crystal that reflects all the way up into the sky, shatters and starts to but only if, in that moment, before it shattered, when the lie was spoken but not proven false, Cygnus wished, deep in their heart, that it were true. That's how it happened. And that was how it happened. You experience for that wish? Sympathy for the... We! Uh, <laughs> we love a sympathy for the demon. Mm-hmm. I rolled another four. You're so, so refreshed. I'm so refreshed. <laughs> um, which is good, because this this happens, there's a resonance and it's almost like if you ever see videos, and I don't know if this is true or not, so don't at me, um, but you see videos of someone singing and resonating with a glass and it, like, they, it's not immediate, they sing and then as the sound bounces around the glass cracks, and so I think there's a moment where Cygnus ends their song and the glass, and the and the ice crystal quivers and resonates with their song and bounces it back at them and they know immediately as they snap out of the entrancement what's going to happen and they grab capella trying to shelter them with with their armor but they don't have a shield um and and just going run as they kind of pick they they do their best to kind of like half carry capella as they run as far away from the collapsing tower as they can you run and run, each shard of ice beginning as though it's like a snowflake, tiny, insignificant, like a razor across your cheek. But then they seem to grow larger as they're striking the ground around you, larger, larger, until they are great boulders, sheets of ice, and the snow is driven up into the air and when you look around your panting run stopped you are amidst hundreds thousands of broken blocks of ice 
that have fallen all around you. And the churned snow continues to circle around like a mist that will not clear. Cygnus will throw out their arm, shielding Capella and draw their sword and advance on the mist, thinking, swearing, they saw something there that could have been the cause of all of this. But only if when Cygnus pushes out their arm to shield Capella, they don't feel her there. And they whirl around alone in the mist. But only if we haven't seen her come to harm. And that was how it happened. And that was how it happened as they throw out their arm and, and look around and now nothing looks familiar. It, it's white out conditions, which is not something that really happens around here. It's rare that the clouds obscure the stars. And they look around the starlight shining off of their sword, which usually clears things up. It's, it's clear, bright, beautiful light. But here it only bounces off the snow. And the columns of ice like mirrors in the darkness. And they, angry and scared, begin to take their sword and cleave the ice. And so it was. And so it was. And so it was that Octans returned to their workshop, laden with their materials, weary, dreading what they might find. And yet... And yet, Octans can't help but feel a strange warmth creep over their heart as it skips a beat and they reach for the door afraid of what's on the other side and afraid it's not there at the same time there's something about the anticipation of it they quite deliberately open the door and do not look for her they go to their bench into where they keep the materials and they begin to unpack what they have brought with them they do not look for and they lay out the tools that they will need. And they do not look for her. And they raise the chisel as though to begin. As they pause, they hear a gentle drop, 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 as water starts to fall around the grain. And the ice that they prepare to strike, to sculpt, to create with, itself begins to reshape, parts to melt away. Not this. Not yet. Octans feels caress the back of the shoulder and gentle pressure. They turn their face just slightly toward her. Why? Out of the corner of Octans, uh, just turned far enough to glimpse the edges of her fingers inside her face. He feels that this is the most beautiful creature, thing, person, work. He thinks he sees the gentlest of smiles. Then he feels a hand reach at his hip and the grip on the shoulder tighten as if he's pulled into an embrace from behind. Mm -hmm. And the cold of the ice, the cold of Vulpicula's likeness press against him and for a moment his vision blurs it could just be him Octans. they don't trust you they don't believe you stay with me stay here they're beautiful things 
I know not who you are. You are not them, neither in her flesh, nor are you the truth of her. Perhaps you never were. No, Octanus. I'm yours. I'm the one who sees what you're capable of, who sees the greatness of your craft. You, Octans, are a true knight, a hero, and the people don't appreciate you. Chancellor Vega, she doesn't listen to you. Rest with me. There is work yet to be done. Even as Octans says that, with the pressure of the embrace and inside the pressure of doubt, Octans catches just a moment and thinks about the dismissal of the Chancellor and thinks about the betrayal of Ava's art. He thinks about those people who so eagerly await the rising of the sun and prepare their halls for the sickening radiance that will shine soon. And for just a second, everything feels familiar. They do not see it as I see it. Octans, you, your, your vision sort of comes back to you. Mm-hmm. And you lean forward on your workbench. Mm-hmm. And you turn back and you see her, beautiful, tall, arrayed just as you portrayed her. Long hair, not too unlike your own. A gentle smile and welcoming eyes. As you look now, she is still with an arm held out to you, Octans, waiting. And as you focus on her, as your eyes are drawn in, you don't see that all the statues you had moved into here are mostly melted. Mm. Uh, but only if that which they have brought to work this ice, further insulated, further healed, has remained untouched. But only if you take her hand. And furthermore, they lean back on their bench, they take her hand, they look up into that perfect still face, and they say, show me how you wreak your change upon these things. I know how to make them see it. None of them will look away. Tapping my, uh, my sculpting again. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, mm. you will create, you will show them, and you'll make them perfect. Can I get a clarification of what them is? How they're making perfect? Sculptures. The sculptures you'll make. Mm. They'll all be part of her, mm. and she'll see through all of them. You know what? I'm it shall not come to passing this. Oh, oh no. Oh. How could you? <laughs> How could you? How could you? Well, you see, I Octans has plans for these. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, let's see the role. Yeah. And I think my pitch to the moons is that I ought to roll this with light. This is about me and my craft. Oh, yeah. Not about yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Uh, also, first of all, I would like to know if I'm rolling any experience ahead of time. Oh, Reasonable. Since yes. I've been advancing and I can put another point um, to light, I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, take a look at that. Um, what have we got going on we've here? Got, we've got, we've got doubt. A lot of sympathy. We've got a lot of sympathy for a demon. Uh-huh. Um, I, th- I think those two. Yeah, okay. 
That's yeah, very yeah, I like that. Uh-huh. Good work, for a demon. <laughs> yeah, first one does I refresh. Second one tips me over into weariness. That's fine. <gasps> yes, welcome. <laughs> well, I've been waiting for you all time. <laughs> Take my hand. Which means I get points to everything. You will not leave the installation. Under no circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> but this means I'm rolling with light. I believe I need to hit four or below to succeed on this. Mm-hmm. Because it is light minus my weariness. Hey. That's a one. I succeed. You do? Magic. <laughs> For me. I get what I want. This is what I wanted to see. <laughs> yes, but I wanted to set you up to be such a corrupt sculptor. <laughs> I know. But I don't think we have anything left in this scene that we need to get done. I don't think so. I think this this really yeah. does end with Hawkins yeah, like, takes her hand. Yeah, um, yeah. Like she, she she wants more and I think like rather than I think she says like she says all of these things and she makes these promises. Uh and I think rather than like nodding or making any sign of accepting it, uh they just really turn towards her and the camera pulls away. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. And so it was. And so, so it was. was. Um yeah, my real question <laughs> is that honest like um honestly, I am very happy to leave Cygnus's story lost in the fog, since we are running up a little bit of against a time constraint, unless you have anything that you want to do. No, I think that what I would do would fundamentally leave you in a very similar place. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, like, it would extend <laughs> it would extend their story, but I... I'm not sure it would develop it. Yeah, I, th- I think fundamentally the way I would yeah. try to put... I'll just tell you. Yeah. Um, would be that you encounter the boar, you eventually, like, you, there's, there's conflict there, the boar disappears, and you find Capella again, but uh-huh. it's not your Capella. Ooh, okay. I wouldn't, but, but, but you could do it. We could do it. We could, could do just it, do but it. But I, I think that fundamentally that leaves you in the same place. Yeah. I think that Aww. this sounds like, I think that this sounds like a good place to cut of, like, and this is how you launch to a longer campaign. Yeah. Um, versus a, this is how you death spiral in one game. <laughs> yeah. So let's, yeah. let's, let's, let's finish your death spiral. Yeah, oh, your death let's spiral. let's see your last scene. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, so whatever happens in this last scene, we need the Solaris Knight or the Frost Maiden to appear. I think we know which one. And we need the, we need, we need them to pass on that information of like, hey man, here's your fate if, uh, we yeah. keep going this way. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You're going to betray people. <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! And hey, you know, you can always choose to not die and instead become a demon. Maybe yeah. this isn't your end. <laughs> you such a good demon. What a weird thing for you to say to me. <laughs> You're such a good demon. Octans would be a great demon. Uh, that's not weird at all. <laughs> He's doing so good already. Uh-huh. And so it was that those assembled in the hall found it silent and a great veil over something that they could not yet see. Something soft lay on the ground beneath their feet, glimmering in faint starlight as the snow. For snow it was not brought in from outside, but ground down from ice, from other works, 
And so it was that as the first glimmering rays, not of false dawn, but of true dawn, the first moment of spring, to only last for but a minute, pierced through the icy walls, and the veil fell, and great work which Octans had wrought began to steam and to smoke and to crumble into mist. In the light of the sun, those assembled saw the truth of the mistake and could not look away. As they looked on, people of Polaris, so inclined, so moved to the arts, found themselves singing the songs of the sun as they shriek, as the belching smoke from the melting ice pours out around Octon's work. The politicians squabble with each other, some fleeing, some rushing towards the thing, some rushing to Octans, all in disarray, all surprised and scattered. They are still as one of their own statues, unearthly, near transparent. They say only, do you not see? Can you now look away? Octans, as you yourself stand transfixed, looking ahead at what you have wrought, you cannot look away. If only you could look, you could see the chaos still unfolding, and you hear as still whispered softly in your ear, they'll never look away again, Octans they see, and scarred in each of their minds is this day, and everywhere they look, and every shadow, and every flurry of mist, they'll see it again, and again, and again. And furthermore, Octans reaches out to her, touches just her wrist, which she is or was of ice. And ice they know. Ice knows them, and they ascertain her nature. And furthermore, she reaches out, mirroring Octans, and takes him by the wrist, pulls him close, and just as he shaped her once, she begins to reshape him. And as she does, Octans feels a gentle, her gentle caress, kiss on his neck. And though he can't look away, she wants to rest and leans into her. Mm. Octans, you feel, you feel as you lean in holding one another's wrists at first, and then soon fully embraced, your head resting on her shoulder, her frigid face pressed into your neck, and you feel that she's inviting you to join her, just as she had hoped and fought and tried, and has now surrendered to beautiful melancholy in the ice. You feel your heart go cold, and you see that if you accept this comfort, this embrace, you'll become just like her. Octans, my dear, you can come with me. Leave this behind. 
be free of your burden. If you stay and fight, Octans, can't you see? Their small-mindedness. You'll leave them in the waves. You'll join me in the frost. Why not now? You've seen the way they welcome the light, but they're intent on their own destruction. They love their own end. Having started to melt into this change, I think that is how it happens. And I think it is like encouragement to that, which then, but only if we both die. And so it was. I think this happens in a burst of movement. The sun, those few beams, have come in through the wall. A wall perhaps weakened by this burning core, unnoticed, an intrusion. They are too close to one another now. Too near to being one and the same thing for there to be space to pull out a sword. But Octans can turn and pivot and shatter the ice and fall together in the window. When onlookers are able at last to look away from the mistake, now recreated here, they will find only drifting snow upon the ground. But that all happened long ago, and now there are none who remember it. The scene! <laughs> Woo! There we go! Fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Great work, team. Great work, team. <laughs> But that all happened long ago, and now there are none who remember it. Except for me, because this game has not left my mind since playing it. Listener, this is one of the best games I've ever played. We will have our review episode up next week, but in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter or Blue Sky at Calamity Vault, or on Tumblr at Calamity Pod. We'll see you next week. <laughs>